couple of years ago, Frosted Mini Wheats said they were the only cereal that could improve childhood attentiveness by 20%. And if that were true, I wish I would have eaten it in elementary school. But it's not true, and they had to pay $4 million in a lawsuit because it wasn't. Also, Activia Yogurt, they had Jamie Lee Curtis as their spokesperson on TV, and she says in the commercial that it's the only scientifically proven yogurt to regulate digestion and boost the immune system. The only problem is there was no scientific support, and they had to pay $45 million in a lawsuit. Then there's Smart Balance Blended Butter Sticks. Can't say that I've tried these. They're the only butter sticks that claim to block cholesterol. But researchers found that there was so much saturated fat in each of the sticks, it was absolutely scientifically impossible for it to block cholesterol, and they had to remove that claim. There's the car, uh, in the car industry, there's Volkswagens who claim, uh, years ago, claimed to be the only diesel cars that were environmentally friendly. Well, it turns out that they were cheating emissions tests and had to pay billions of dollars back to the consumers. And then there's a recent one. This one's for the young adults in the room here. Okay, perhaps you know the popular social media app, Snapchat. Snapchat claimed to be the only social media app where you could completely delete the message immediately after you received it. But guess what they found out? What all the teenagers in this room know. There are plenty of ways to save your Snapchats. And so that company had to remove that slogan immediately. So folks, we have a reason to be skeptical. All day long, we hear claims of people who can say that they're the only person that can do this or the only product that offers this, and then we find out later on they were not telling the truth. That's in the corporate world. And if we're skeptical in the corporate world, most of us in this world and certainly in this country are downright defiant when it comes to exclusive claims in the spiritual world. We live in a country today that is very politically correct. We live in a a world today that preaches tolerance and inclusiveness on everything. And so when we hear what we're going to hear today about these claims of Jesus, there's natural skepticism from the world and there's downright defiance. People do not want to hear with the thousands of religions in the world that there's only one way to God. But here's the problem. That's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus leaves no room for him being one of many ways to God. Jesus is either the only way to God or he's a liar. And that's what we're going to look at here today. We're going to have to face this truth in a world that doesn't believe that truth can be absolute. We have to face the reality that Jesus says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And here's my challenge as we look into this today. Okay, I need you to hear me very clearly because... In a a room like this, in a place that we call the Bible Belt here in Southeast Georgia, most of you in this room would probably agree with these words without having to think too much about it. You'll say, well, of course Jesus is the only way. But I want you to go past the what, and I want you to answer the why. I want you to think for just a moment, if somebody were to say to you, why is Jesus the only way? You have got to know the answer to that question. Because if you don't, Number one, you're never going to be a faithful witness for Christ. And number two, you're never going to have that intimacy with Christ until you realize what it is that He's done for you and what He's done for me. So I'm going to challenge us through this message to go through the what and get to the why. And so what's our big idea as we look at John 14, verses 4 through 6? In one sentence, as we prepare our hearts and our minds for this passage, it is in Christ alone that we find the only way, truth, and life that leads to God. 
It is in Christ alone that we find the only way, truth, and life that leads to God. So if you want to know more about how Christ stands alone as our bridge back to the Lord, would you join me by turning to the book of John, fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. We'll be in chapter 14 looking at verses 4 through 6. If you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you or beside you. We're on page 1070 in your pew Bible. And if you would stand at this time, out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and fully sufficient word, Again, we are in John chapter 14, and we're looking at verses 4 through 6. Hear God's word to us through his servant, the Apostle John. It says, And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father, these are heavy words, but they are crystal clear, and we read them in black and white. But they're words that a world today wants to reject in so many different ways, Lord. And so I pray as we enter into this and walk through this word by word, that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive this truth And that we would go beyond just acknowledging that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but that we would know why He is. That we we would be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ for others who don't have Him yet. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to understand our faith in a greater way this morning. That it would make us greater witnesses. And that it would give us greater intimacy with You. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen. When we talk about truth, one of the first things we need to say is this. We do not define truth. We only discover it. The only person who can define truth is the author. And so you need to be very careful whenever you're reading anything or watching anything that says we are redefining truth. No, that's not what human beings have the authority to do. We don't define truth. We simply discover it. And we can choose to obey it or reject it. But truth remains truth. And the truth that we're reading in John 14, verses 4 through 6, we need to begin with the truth that we are separated from God. All right, that's implied before you even get to verse 4. When he says, I am the way to God, we need to know that we need to find a way to God because we are currently separated from God by our sinful nature. That's an undeniable truth. Now again, the Holy Spirit can overwhelm us and open our eyes to see it and we can discover that truth, but it remains truth nonetheless. You and I, though God loves us and though God created us to have intimate fellowship with Him, we are born in separation from God because of our sin. And it, was, it happened before you ever committed your first sin because you inherited that nature from your great-grandparents, Adam and Eve. All of us are born in alienation and separation from God. We need to acknowledge that truth. And Jesus steps on the scene and makes this bold claim in John 14 that if we have a separation from God that we cannot 
overcome by ourselves, Jesus says, I am the only way for you to be reunited with God. That's the claim that Jesus is making in this passage. Jesus says, you have a problem. You're separated from God. And Jesus says, I am the answer. I'm the only way that you can be reunited with him again. And again, I want to say that most of you in this room who are Christian are saying, amen, amen, amen. And that's great. But you need to go past the what and you need to understand the why. And here's the reason why I say that. Over the years, I've asked a lot of people, why do you believe Jesus is the only way? And the answers that I've gotten have have drawn me to the conclusion that they believe that Jesus is the only way because that's the only way they've ever heard. Jesus is not the only way because that's how you were raised. Jesus is not the only way because you have great parents and grandparents who are faithful Christians. He's not the only way because that's the only way you've heard because there's an entire world out there that has heard a lot of different ways. So you need to go past the what. If I say, why are you a Christian? And your answer is, well, I was raised in church. That's all I've ever known. You know what that does? That speaks to the faithfulness of your parents and praise God for that. But you know what? You're never going to lead somebody to Christ who is a skeptic wanting to know the truth. You have to know why. So we're gonna go a little bit deeper today and we're gonna look at the why, not just the what. We we need to know why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So let's look at three aspects of our relationship with God that we find in Christ alone. And looking at the text, first part of verse six, number one, in Christ alone, we find the only way to God. We find the only way to God. So how do we get to the why? Well, here's, here's the image that I want to give you, okay? Let's say that you go on a trip to the Grand Canyon, I know some folks have. Uh, If you do go to the Grand Canyon, don't let Richard Creech drive you there. I've heard a few stories of that journey. Um, I I was wishing he was going to be here this morning so I could get a good poke at him. Uh, But let's say you go to the Grand Canyon and you're standing on the edge of one canyon and you're looking all the way over to the other side of another canyon and there's God with his arms reached out wanting you to be united with him. You and I have no ability to cross that canyon. There's a huge gap. There's a chasm between God and man, and we cannot cross it by human effort. Trust me, since the beginning of time, human beings have tried to work their way back to God, and you can't do it. You will never be good enough to earn salvation. You'll never be good enough to work your way back into the good graces of God. You can't do it. It would be the equivalent of saying, if I get a running start, I can jump off this canyon and land on the other side in my own effort. It's simply not possible. And the reason why is God is perfect and you are not. And so the only way to make it to His side is to be perfect. And you're not and I'm not. So we need somebody to be perfect for us, a bridge. Now here's why Jesus is the only way to God. If there's two canyons and there's a huge gap between the two and you want to build a bridge from one side to the other, you have got to have someone who has a, a hand in both sides at the same time. And Jesus is the only one. He's got a hand in both worlds. Jesus is fully God reaching out to mankind. And he's fully man reaching up to God. 
which is why he takes the hand of God and the hand of man, and he's the bridge that reunites them and crosses that chasm. He's the only one who can do it. Every other religion claims to be able to do it, but no religion has the exclusive claim of a Savior who is both 100% God and 100% man. And he is the only way. And here's how he bridges the gap, all right? As he is God reaching down to man and he's man reaching up to God, here's how he crosses the gap. Here's how he is our bridge. He takes care of the problem. He, on the cross, took all the penalty for our sin, but at the same time, he gave to us, he transferred to us his perfection that we needed. So at, by grace through faith in Jesus, we cross that bridge and we step into the presence of God and we're declared forgiven because of what he did on the cross and we're declared perfect because he lived a perfect life on our behalf. He's the only way to God. And here's, here's why right now we don't always understand that because you haven't received the full benefit of your salvation yet. Oh, but you will if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian and you die before Jesus comes back, let me tell you what the first moment of heaven's going to be like for you. As you cross over this barrier into God's heavenly realm, you are going to be what the Bible calls glorified spiritually. You are going to be perfected. You're going to be showered in a whole new nature where you're going to be so radiant and perfect that you will never sin again. And then when Jesus comes back here to the earth, you're going to rise out of your grave and be given a brand new body. And that body is going to be fully glorified and perfect. The reason we don't think about that today is we've been declared perfect, but we're still working that out. None of us are perfect just yet, but we've been declared perfect but we receive the full benefit of that when we enter into heaven. But that's what Jesus did for us, and that's why he's the only way. Without him, you're not perfect, and if you're not perfect, you will not be with God forever. He's the bridge between God and man, and he's the only way that we can be reunited with our creator. In fact, early Christians in the first few centuries of the church were so passionate about this idea of Jesus being the only way to God, you know what, they didn't even call themselves Christians. They were known as people of the way. If you were to ask a believer in the first or second century, are you a Christian, they'd look at you funny because they didn't use that word a whole bunch. They would say, I'm a person of the way. I belong to Jesus. Yes, in Christ alone, we find the only way to God. That's number one. This is number two. In Christ alone, we find the only truth of God. Jesus said to him, not only am I the way, he says, I am the truth. I am the truth, all right? We just looked at all these companies that did not tell the truth. Who can we trust? And you know, the answer, we can trust Jesus because he is the truth. Now, John and the whole gospel of John is showing that Jesus is what is known as the word. You say, well, I thought the Bible was the word. How is Jesus the word? Well, the Bible is the word written and Jesus is the Word made flesh. All right? In John chapter 1, verse 1, John is telling us that Jesus, he says um, that Jesus is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right? So what does it mean that Jesus is the Word? It means that He is the truth and logic and wisdom of God wrapped in flesh and bones. 
If you want to know what God is like, he's like Jesus because Jesus came to show us who God is. He is the Word. Now, we talk about this a lot, but uh, not only is Jesus the Word, he is also someone who has come full of grace and truth. All right, so he's the truth, but when we face the truth and realize that we fall short, it could overwhelm us, but he's also fully grace as he's fully truth. That's what John tells us later on in John chapter 1. He is full of grace and truth. So first of all, Jesus reveals to us who God is. If you did not have a Bible and you walked outside and you saw the birds in the air and you saw the fish in the sea and you saw the 24 hours in a day and the sun rises and the sun sets, there is a message that's being proclaimed all day long by nature and that message is there is a God there is a God there is a God nature alone shows you who God is but you need to know more about him personally so nature is a general revelation of God but the word is a special revelation of God all right the word is what tells us exactly who God is And we have the Bible, which is the word written, but Jesus came full of grace and truth, wrapped himself in flesh and bones to be a mirror and show the world who God is. He is the truth of God. And again, he comes full of grace because when we face God, we realize that we're not perfect and he is. But the same holiness that Jesus proclaims is the holiness that Jesus provides. When you put your faith in him, you are declared perfect. It's hard to believe. And we won't fully understand it until we die and we stand before God and we realize how perfect and unblemished he is and then we get to put on that perfection. I don't know exactly what it's gonna be like because I haven't died yet, but I'll say this, you'll never make a mistake again. Can you sit and think about that for a second? Because of Jesus... You'll never have a dark or sinful thought or word or action or attitude for the rest of eternity. That's worth praising today. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of my own sin. You know when Paul says in the New Testament, he says, the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I do, I don't want to do. I mean, he just, our body and our flesh, our soul is always at war. We constantly are doing things that we don't want to do and the things that we don't do, we know that we should do. We're we're constantly battling. But Jesus is the truth that leads us into the perfection of God and one day you will not battle that anymore. And he's the only one that can offer you that. You can't get to God by being a good person. If you try to be a good person in your own strength, you won't get very far. Most of us in this room have already tried. You can't do it apart from the strength of God. You can't do it apart from His grace. Jesus is the only truth of God. All right, so in Christ alone, we find number one, He's the only way to God. Number two, He's the only truth of God. Third and finally, in Christ alone, we find the only life with God. The only life with God. Again, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, let me, let me go back to the beginning and just say God loves you and He desires, He yearns for intimacy with you. That's why He created you. God does not need us, 
But God willfully chose to create us in his image because he wanted intimate fellowship for all of eternity. So God desires that life that you and and I have with him. And he knows because of our sin, we can't. But he knows because of Jesus, one day we can. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are welcomed into the family of God. The Bible says we have been given the right to be called children of God. And we're reunited with him in this amazing fellowship. That's why at Christmas time, we call Jesus, one of his nicknames is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. The God that we've been separated from came down and reunited us. And we are with him and we walk with him. And if you have the Holy Spirit and you're a Christian, God lives inside of you. And that life with God is growing and growing and growing And that's God's desire for you to have an eternal relationship with the triune God of the universe, that you are loved by the Father, you are united to the Son, and you are indwelled by the Spirit. One God in three persons who welcome you into the family as a child of God where you will live and breathe and have relationship for all of eternity. That's why when Jesus talks about the kingdom, the kingdom is come, the kingdom is at hand, believe in the kingdom, he's not just saying, believe in me so that you get out of hell and you get into heaven. He's not just a get out of hell free card because heaven's not heaven without Jesus. It's about a relationship with him. It's about life with him. And that relationship starts now. If you're a Christian, you're welcomed into that relationship with him now. Of course, it will get deeper and deeper and deeper in eternity. But you can have that with him now by grace through faith. You can walk and talk with him now. You can see him do mighty things in your life now. We gather here today because we see God move in this room right now. All of us in this room who are Christian, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, have Christ living inside of us. And when we come together and we sing and we worship, the presence of Jesus Christ is magnified. And that relationship just grows deeper and deeper. It's what some theologians call the with God life. You are not alone if you're a follower of Jesus. And the purpose of your life has already been decided. You are made for Jesus. You are made for Christ. It's part of the with God life. And again, this is a spiritual relationship. But once we are in his presence again in heaven, it will also be a physical relationship. I was talking Monday night with the class I teach at the Guido Bible College on the doctrine of heaven. And we just... My favorite thing to talk about, I always ask people, what's the first thing that you're going to say when you see Jesus? What's the first thing you're going to say? I would think most people in this room are going to drop to their, drop on their hands and knees and kiss his nail-pierced feet. So maybe the question should be, what's the second thing you're going to do when you see Jesus? You know, this relationship that I have with him that I want you to have with him, it grows every day. And you're responsible for investing in that relationship. It doesn't happen by itself. Although God loves you and God is drawing you unto himself through his spirit, you have the free will choice to invest in that relationship and repent of sin and spend time with him and spend time with other people who love him. Or you have the, the opportunity to ignore him and that relationship doesn't grow. But here's what I want you to think about today. 
Remember I said that there's a canyon between God and man and Jesus is the bridge where you cross that canyon? I want you to picture that you're walking with Jesus and you're crossing that canyon and you're having a relationship with God and the pinnacle of that relationship is gonna be the moment you step into heaven for the first time and you see Jesus in the flesh. What are you gonna say to him? I don't know what I'm gonna say, but I know what I'm gonna do. Again, step one is gonna be kissing his nail-pierced feet. Step two is gonna be burying my face in his chest and just, just letting go. And then step three is letting him give me a tour of heaven for maybe the rest of eternity. And you and I being gathered around the throne, celebrating with each other for all of eternity. That's why we're here. Again, we gotta get past the mindset that Jesus is just a ticket to get us out of the bad place into the good place. No, Jesus is here to identify the problem, which is separation from God because of sin, and then offering a final solution to the problem, repenting of our sin and putting our faith in him so that you can have a life with God that starts right now and it lasts forever. And he's the only one that can make that possible. So as we draw to a close, how do I sum this up? In one sentence. If it is in Christ alone that we find God, then when we have Jesus, we have everything. If it is in Christ alone that we find God, then when we have Jesus, we have everything. Remember this, earlier this morning when I read from Psalm 4 that God is the source of When you plug back into the source, you receive everything that the source offers. And I want you to stop and think right now as you walked into this room, what's on your mind and what's on your heart. All right, I'm as guilty as anybody in this room. I got a thousand things on my mind right now. All right, some of you are thinking about the difficult uh, things you have in the week ahead. You're thinking about financial struggles. You're thinking about physical issues, relational struggles. Everything that you've got going on in your life, those problems are real. I'm not saying they're not real problems. But I'm saying that we're called to plug back into Jesus as our source. And when we have him, we have everything that we need. Again, it doesn't mean that Jesus promises us great health and great wealth and great relationships and everything's gonna be perfect, but it means that you have Jesus and he will walk with you and he will strengthen you and he will forgive you and restore you and redeem you and bring you back into fellowship with God and that's what your heart needs. When we we look for something to fill our heart with something other than God, that's where we run into serious problems. And we try to fill it with so many different things. What you need is Jesus. And if you have him, you have everything you need. So spend time with him. And spend time with him in a way that is unique to you. I would never stand up here and tell you how you should talk to Jesus. All right? You're his child. You speak to him from the depths of your heart. And spend time with him in his word. This is the primary way that he reveals himself to us. And spend time with his people, gathering together in worship. Again, there's a unique presence of God in this room because we're all filled with the Holy Spirit. We have Christ living inside of us and we're here together. You ever notice that when you just spend weeks and weeks and weeks away from the church and away from the word and away from prayer, you feel disconnected? And you know why? You unplug from the source. We gotta plug back in. And we gotta stay plugged in. Again, remember, if you have Jesus, you have everything.
So as we draw to a close, I just want you to meditate. I want you to leave with that vision in your mind that you're standing on the edge of a canyon. I would stand on the edge here, but I'm most likely gonna fall over if I do. And you're looking at the other side of the canyon and there's God. And God has his arms reached out and he wants you to cross that chasm, to cross that gap and to be with him forever. Everybody, every human being is trying to cross that gap. Atheists, even though they say there's nobody on the other side of that canyon, they're still trying to cross the gap. All the other religions of the world, they're trying to cross that gap. What's your answer as you stand on the edge of that canyon and you look out to the other side? How are you going to cross the gap? Again, Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. He's the only one that can reach one side of the canyon to the other as God reaching out to man and man reaching out to God. And when you repent of your sins and you place your faith in him, he takes the penalty for your sin and he gives you the perfection that he earned. And you begin to cross that bridge with Jesus and you enter back into fellowship with God until the one day that you'll be back in the presence of Jesus again for all of eternity. Yes, it is in Christ alone that we have God. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man gets to the Father but by Him. Let's pray. Father, I I look around this room and I just see so many different life situations all happening at the same time, especially in my own life, Lord. My mind's scattered, my heart's in a thousand places, and so is everybody in this room. But you are the source. And you created us for fellowship with you. And we can't have that apart from Jesus. Lord, I know it's not a popular message in the world today that there's only one way to you. There's so many religions. There's so many people out there striving to cross the the canyon in their own effort. But we are here today because we believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. We believe that he took on our sin and gave us his perfection. We believe that he's God looking down at man and man looking up to God at the same time in the bridge that we can cross to have fellowship with you eternally. And so, Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, if there's anybody in this room that is standing on the edge of that canyon and is looking across to the other side and don't know how to get there, I pray right now that you would move in their heart, that they would confess with their tongue that Christ is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead and that they would be saved and we would cross that bridge together. We thank you for Jesus. It's in Christ alone that we come to you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.